When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it, all about your death, and if you can. It's all about pain And who's gonna make it? I am the game You don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy death No way you can pay me I am the pain And I know you What's up, everybody? Welcome to another TFA 2021 Rookie Profile video. I'm Robbie Jeffries, and today we are discussing a really intriguing running back who I've seen kind of all over the place in terms of 2021 rookie mocks, as well as the 2021 NFL draft itself. I don't think there's really a consensus on this player as we stand today. So today we are going to dive into the rookie profile of one Trey Sermon running back for the Ohio State University. Okay, so Trey Sermon, let's dive right into his measurements that we got from the Senior Bowl. He stands at just over six feet tall. He weighed in at 213 pounds. So, you know, he's not one of these smaller backs and he's maybe not on this power back side like a Najee Harris or uh, Ramonde Stevenson um, at the 230 mark. So he's kind of right in that sweet spot at 213. So looking at his recruiting uh, ranking kind of coming in to being a Oklahoma Sooner there in Norman, he was the 12th running back ranked in that 2017 class. He was a four-star recruit. You know, he has a really interesting background, specifically his mother. Um, they've had a, a really tough background, If, if uh, to be truly honest with it. His mother was physically abused for a lot of a, of a relationship with a man and who this man actually went on to tragically murder her two-year-old son at the time. This is before Trey is born. This mother also experienced loss with two of her brothers, one being brutally shot to death. Um, both her parents died within two weeks. And so just with a lot of um, adversity, his mother kind of showed resiliency there and goes on to get her bachelor's and master's degrees. And she's soon to get her doctorate's degree in psychology. And the reason I bring this up is because I think when, when you watch Trey Sermon's game, you can kind of see where he's maybe potentially got some of this resiliency and, and his power and, and his strength. It, it's from having, I think, a, a a mother who's had to go through a lot and overcome a lot of her stuff. And I just think there's a really good story on it in Sports Illustrated. I'm going to have the link in the description. So make sure you check that out. So let's dive into his collegiate career. Uh, we're going to look at uh, first his freshman year, and he was an immediate contributor. 
Um, he played in all 13 games. Uh, he started three games as a true freshman, gaining 744 yards on 127 carries and five touchdowns to boot. You know, he also did a little bit through the air, 16 receptions, two receiving touchdowns. So that's nice to see kind of as someone just starting in in their freshman season. Going to his sophomore year, he splits time with Kennedy Brooks, um, but he actually has his most productive season uh, statistically, getting 947 yards on 164 carries and 13 touchdowns, which was a career high. Now, this was his most successful season in terms of market share for the team's rushing yards, as well as their rushing touchdowns. He had about 27, 28% uh, of the team's touchdowns and yards in that perspective. PFF graded him and Najee Harris at the top uh, of their rushing grades for the 2018 season. So a very successful season for him in his sophomore year. We move on to his junior year, and this is where we get a little bit of that down year and why you don't see Trey Sermon more at the top of your rookie mocks right now, along with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, as we have this down year. You know, he only plays nine games. Um, and in fact, in the last four games, he only gets 11 touches total. He was kind of uh, faded out in favor of Kennedy Brooks, as well as the offense shifted, you know, having Baker Mayfield in 2017, 2018, they have Kyler Murray, and now 2019, it's Jalen Hurts. And that offense really shifted when Jalen Hurts took over under center because um, he had 200 carries in his own perspective. Kennedy Brooks started getting most of the work at tailback. So Sermon gets injured in the Iowa State game. He tears his lateral collateral ligament, say that three times fast, and that kind of puts a, an end to a rough junior season. So he decides to transfer as a graduate. He graduates from Oklahoma, um, enters the transfer portal, and goes to Ohio State to finish his collegiate career. And I think this is a big change in offensive schemes. He comes from a counter option scheme with uh, Lincoln Riley and Norman. And then he goes to a zone blocking scheme, kind of a spread formation at Ohio State. You know, at the same time, as he's trying to figure out this new offensive system, he's still recovering from this LCL injury. So he's trying to work back into football shape. And then on top of all of that, there's also a global pandemic. So um, it was no surprise when he maybe didn't come out right um, out of the gates and, and just take over that starting job for Ohio State. You know, for the first half of the year, he split time with Master Teague. You know, looking specifically at his Michigan State game, his Northwestern game, which was the Big Ten championship game, and then the college football playoff game against Clemson, you know, he was truly a next-level running back, and that's why I'm excited to talk about him today. You know, he had 636 yards, four touchdowns, um, an average of nine yards per carry. He also had 17 runs of 10 yards or more in just the Northwestern and Clemson games alone. So this guy is definitely entered a different stratosphere at the end of his collegiate career. PFF actually graded him as the seventh highest uh, grade for college football running back in his career, going all the way back to 2018. So that's four different classes. He was the seventh highest graded uh, running back in all those classes. So while his stats don't really jump off the page, like a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, he was extremely productive with the work he got. And that kind of leads me into what he does really well. So the first thing that I think he does really well is he is a power runner, a power downhill runner. You see this both in his Oklahoma tape and especially the last few games that I just mentioned with Ohio State. He is an absolute churner. He is delivering contact. He's driving his legs, fighting for extra yards. I mean, right out of the gate in the Clemson game, you can see that he is running angry downhill, um, just getting to places quickly and running into people. So um, that's the first thing I think you see when you when you turn on the tape for him. Uh, the next point uh, of where I think he does really well is his acceleration and his short area quickness. He was kind of able to get the edge 
on a lot of plays where maybe the blocking breaks down and he needs to bounce outside. That's not something you see from every back that they're able to get the edge. Maybe the, the edge of defender catches them, a corner comes up and gets them, but Trey Sermon has enough of that burst to get to the outside. And then when he does run up the middle, which he, he primarily does as a one-cut runner, you saw him get to that second level of defense in a hurry. I think we saw a lot of this at Oklahoma in that counter option offense where you have pulling guards and tackles, you have down blocks coming. There's a lot of mixing motion, and he was able to kind of decipher through all that traffic and get upfield really quickly. And I think it shows with his really good yards uh, per carry and yards after contact. Um, throughout those years. You know, the third thing I like about him is that he has really good bend and elusiveness. And, and what, do you, what do I mean by good bend? You know, I think that's just another way of saying that, you know, he has good upper body movement when getting contacted. He was able to shed a lot of would-be tackles um, when they were grabbing him around the shoulder pads, grabbing him around the upper torso. You see that, you see that a lot when he's running on the sideline and he kind of gets that edge. Guys are trying to keep up to him. They're trying to get a piece of him. And, and he's kind of just given some wiggle to get a couple extra yards along that sideline um, before they're able to pull him or, or tackle him out of bounds. And I also think you see a great example of this in the Clemson game in the second quarter on the eight-minute mark. He gets this really nice run up the middle, and two defenders kind of grab him at the shoulder pad level, and he shakes them, ducks them off. They crash into each other, and he's able to get an extra 10, 15 yards a really good run in that game. On the elusiveness side, he owns two of the top 10 uh, elusive rushing seasons dating back to 2014 per uh, PFF. You know, this was before his graduate year at Ohio State. So this is just taking in his first three seasons. He also forced a missed tackle rate of 33% of his carries, which tied David Montgomery and Travis Etienne for second highest in college football since 2014. I think lastly and finally for, for the things I really like about Sermon is that he does the fundamental things really, really well to potentially get on the field early in his rookie year. So let's start with pass protection. He has really good awareness and his technique is really good. Um, I think you, you saw a lot of reps and a lot of examples where he was allowing um, his quarterback or, or fields in this last year a lot more time by scanning when these linebackers were coming in, picking up that blitz, and kind of delivering a good solid blow and, and working through the block, not just a chip block, not just diving at the legs. That's a positive. And then he hangs on to the football. He only has two recorded fumbles per PFF uh, on over 500 collegiate touches. And then uh, finally, he can catch the football. He is not, I would not describe him as a gifted pass catcher like some of these other backs, you know, like a Gainwell or a Michael Carter. Um, he does body catch a little bit, but he has shown that he can be a weapon when thrown to in the passing game, in the short yard passing game. So I have him as a capable but not great receiver like a Chris Carson, if you will. So let's move on to the concerns uh, th that I have for him. And I think the first one that a lot of people will note is his vision. It's definitely inconsistent. Sometimes he has really great vision, you know, when he's looking to bounce a run back, you know, against the grain, when, when linebackers or safeties are, are over pursuing, he's really good at cutting back against the grain and setting up his blocks on certain um, carries. But on the flip side, he also misses some open holes. Um, sometimes he's just putting his head down and trying to get the three yards, trying to get the two yards, four yards on second or third and short. He doesn't always look for the home run play. I think uh, that's something he can work on at the next level. The second thing is he doesn't have an elite trait. Like I said earlier, I like his power. I like his power a lot, but it's not elite like a, like a Najee Harris in this class. I like his acceleration. He has good acceleration, but it's not on the same level as like a CMC or an Alvin Kamara. He's just really solid at a lot of different facets, 
of the running back position. And so I think that's totally okay. Like everyone thinks that might be a big deal. I think that's okay because we saw when he put it all together at the end of his college career, he is a next level back. He, he can do enough of everything to be a really productive back and really productive for your fantasy teams. The last concern I have is durability. You know, I don't think he has a huge injury history and shouldn't be listed as injury prone, but there is enough there to make it a concern for me. In high school, he fractured his vertebrae. Junior season, we already talked about, he tore his LCL. And then there's this unspecified shoulder slash collarbone injury on his first carry in the college football final against Alabama where he left the game. So that is why he sat out the Senior Bowl game, but he is expected to be ready for Ohio State's Pro Day. So I don't think that is a lingering issue that we should have to worry about, but uh, three injuries that are worth noting. So looking at the NFL draft and, and where I see him fitting in best, I definitely think he is a late day two or early day three pick, kind of right inside that top 100. Some people have him all the way down, mocked in the fifth round or later. I, I think that's too late for him. I think he does enough things well. And like I said, he does the fundamentals well that coaches will like to pair with somebody else right away. And I think he'd be really good in a spread or a vertical uh, offensive system, an offensive scheme. So if you take his quick burst and you give him some space, I think that's something he takes advantage of. We saw that in the Clemson game. We saw that in the Northwestern game. And I think some teams that can do this would be Arizona. Obviously, with Cliff Kingsbury, they run a lot of spread, more spread than anybody else in the league, a lot of shotgun. You're pairing him up with a quarterback that he knows in Kyler Murray. I think that'd be a great fit for him. And then the Los Angeles Chargers with new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Uh, he runs more of a West Coast, so not as much as a spread offense, but he does have a one-cut power scheme that I think Trey Sermon would fit really well with um, in Los Angeles. So to wrap this all up, I really like Sermon um, because I think we've seen the type of player he can be with the last couple of games. You know, when given the work and healthy, he is an elite back. That upside is something that I want in my running backs. And you know, on top of that, I think he has good fundamentals for, to help him see the field early in his rookie year. We saw three years of really good production from players like Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Hence, they're going to be two of the, the top backs off your rookie draft boards. But Sermon, on the other hand, can be that value pick in your rookie drafts a little bit later, you know, in the second round, because he, I think he has some of that upside, but he didn't put it all together due to, you know, injuries and the transfer. He wasn't able to show us completely who he was until the last couple games. And I think that's the type of back we'll see at the NFL level. So thanks, everybody, for checking out this video. We have a ton of player profiles coming in. Make sure you subscribe to our TFA channel so you get all of our future content. I'm Robbie Jeffries, and I'll see you on the next video.